we'll work on it. So today, uh, Joshua Walton, thank you Joshua for doing this. Uh, Joshua is fantastic, right? Eric and I met him uh, because he's a regular at the PRX Podcast Garage and makes a lot of amazing stuff. Um, he has this TED Talk that's like what, almost 2 million views now or something, like off the chart about this intersection of mental health and creativity. Uh, he's a resident uh, at the intersection down here, and I was learning a lot more about that. Really cool uh, artist-based organization. He's an artist himself and uh, does a lot of work in this field. It's highly in demand, so it was really great for him to be like, yeah, I'll come down and share out about this. And so I'm going to turn it over and give a warm welcome to Joshua Walters. Uh, you can use I'm just going to test. Uh, I like to be kind of project my style as a, you know, a theater person. I just want to see in the back. Can you hear me? Okay, is this is this all right without the mic? Yep. There might be some. There might be some moments mid talk where we, you know, do some, you know, some beats. But uh, we'll say that if you're good, if you finish all your pizza and the crust, we'll get to the beatbox. We'll get to the beatbox. So um, thank you for having me. It is a honor and a privilege to be here, and um, thank you. Uh, I, uh, I uh, grew up uh, listening to this station, and uh, it, is a, it, is a, it is a pleasure, it is a pleasure and an honor to be here at KCAD. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here at KCAD. I grew up listening to KCAD. My family supports KCAD. I'm a Bay Area original, grew up in the Bay Area. And I love KCAD. I love what it stands for. And I love that it is a place for ideas to be shared and an open forum for creativity to flourish. And as a radio guy in my car going down the the roads. I spin the dial, and there's other there's other opportunities. There's other opportunities. There's a you know there's a uh, you know Kalal. You know as we know, there's Kalal. Kalal is good. It's similar to KCAD, one of the Nipper stations, one of the Nippers, and uh, it is also it is also a a, a little bit uh, a, a little a little bit different in, in its programming. It uh, does some music in the evening that I've been tuning into. I love their music programming. I'm learning all sorts of music, and also uh, one of the stations. Um, kiss them. <laughs> now uh, I got my start in radio working at Kiss 'em. I wanted to do college on the cheaps and local, so I decided to go to community college at College of San Mateo. I grew up in Moss Beach by Half Moon Bay, local in the Brussels Sprout and Artichoke Fields down by the coast side, and I decided to just commute over to College of San Mateo and do something local. And I didn't really know what was available for me at that little community college up on the hill in San Mateo, but they did have a radio station that was under the library, and I remember strolling on in as a 19, 20-year-old college student and going under the library and just realizing that there was a radio station. And I was like, oh, I, I like radio. I have a theater background. I like radio. And I walked in, and I took a right, and there was Melanie Burzone, the, uh, the uh, director of the radio station, first door I saw, and I said, hey, how do I... How do I be on radio here? You know, I, I want to be on radio. And she said, well, you know, one more, go one more down. Go one more down. Keep going. 
and she referred me to somebody else. And I kept on walking down, and there was another guy who was the Latin jazz guy, Chewy Varela. He was there, and he was doing his Latin thing, and he, he would school me as I came into this place of all the musical history of musical dialogue and, and the lineage of musics in Cuba and Brazil. And he said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in politics? You know, it was a political year when I went there. And I said, no, I want to do like music and, you know, maybe some religion and performance. And he said, yeah, yeah, okay. And we would eat matzo ball soup and we would chat, you know, in his little cubicle there. And then I kept going. I kept going down. And that wasn't still on radio, but I kept going down. And I ran into Chris Cortez, who was the midday jazz guy, and um, he, uh, he was like, what, you know, what is your gear like? Are you out there? And he, he hit me to my first, uh, my first uh, piece of audio equipment to record myself. You know, it was a Zoom H4 that I could go out into the world and record things and record all these different things that I wanted to hear and wanted to see. And that little three-stop view down the cubicles at Kissam um, was, uh, was you know, an introduction into myself and, and what I wanted to do. I wanted to direct something of my own project, something of my own vision, and be the, the driving force of what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be music, music-based. I wanted to do something in music and culture and have some dance and some rhythm. And, you know, and I also wanted to do it myself with my own recorder and my own artistic recorder and put that out there. Now, um, they didn't have any jobs for a young student on radio because it wasn't a college station where a student just gets time on the air. It was a professional NPR station like this, but they did have some intern positions in TV. So I did go over to TV and I started as an associate producer where I you know, made all sorts of phone calls and I did all sorts of writing of scripts and I was on the set for things and I did some video editing. And eventually, um, they gave me my own little, my own little uh, program to, to produce myself called Moments. And Moments was just basically a 90 second blip, very short, about someone in the community that was doing great work and they were a community person just out in, the, out in the world doing something here in the Bay Area. We had a guy in West Oakland who was doing a community garden and he would bring people into garden with him. And we had another guy that was, he was in his uh, late 90s and he remembers the Bay before any of the bridges and he was a journalist. And there was another person that worked with animals and we would get these people and we would film them and we would record them and we would cut it together. And the whole process of this 90 second short took me about maybe like two or three weeks, maybe like a month to complete. And I remember just thinking like, wow, it takes so much time to create that one little thing that you're flipping through the channels and you see it and it just kind of goes by and you just you feel it and you, you're entertained or you're, it makes you laugh or it makes you smile but there's so much effort and there's so much time going into that one little short little blip, you know, what that is. And I realized doing hours and hours of editing and hours of video editing that as someone that started 
on stage and still was performing out and about in the Bay Area in my evenings going to school there. I wanted to be on front of the camera a little bit more than I wanted to be behind the camera. And maybe we all have some of that vision. We want to be an artist. We want our story to be told. But the art doesn't always pay, you know. And as I learned, going out there to gigs and performing out there in the world, you know, the art life, being a performer, doesn't always pay. So maybe some of you feel this as well. You're an artist and you work at a media company because that is a job related to the arts and you have a full-time job that also supports your arts. You can kind of say you're still in the arts. It's still adjacent to the arts. And as I grew, I realized that a lot of my artistic friends either became teachers or they went into media or they went into events. And so I started to do all those things. I did a little you know, teaching at, at middle schools uh, where I did workshops for uh, presenters and, 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 and educational performance arts. I did uh, my, my own media. I would record things. I would get people, you know, do my own websites and all those things. And then I would do my own artistic events, which is, you know, a lot of asking yourself, how do you get people in the room like this? How does 30, 40 people just appear here? Well, Tim sends you an email. And <laughs> You know, you get the announcement on the, on, the, on the board, you know, and you know, you hear the voice and you come in and there's pizza and there's reasons to come in. But you all are here at the, at the, at the station. How does that work out and about, you know? How do you get people to come to a thing? So I would ride BART and pass out flyers and talk it up to my friends that I was doing an event and started with poetry and then storytelling comedy, music, and then eventually I was doing my own one-person shows at the Marsh and uh, doing my own, my, own, my own story and my own narrative. And having this kind of variety of different uh, uh, tools in my, in my performance arsenal, I had to find out what my story was. You know, what is my overarching story? If I'm going to do an hour of just me, what's my overarching story? And aside from being a performer, uh, I also have a history uh, in mental health and as mental have mental health experience. And mental health experience is kind of a big term that could mean a lot of things, but in the mental health world, you usually don't out yourselves for having a diagnosis or for going through specific things that are traumatic or really powerful. You just say, I have mental health experience, you move on and that's kind of it. But, you know, at this point, I had, you know, experienced, you know, things that were like hallucinations, you know, where I was out and about and I was seeing things, I was hearing things. I've experienced things where of, of extreme lows, extreme anxiety, depression. And, you know, some doctors would say that's bipolar where you have to be medicated for it. And then later in my life, it was schizophrenia where you had to be medicated even more and institutionalized. And those experiences are extreme. They're extreme experiences. But the whole time I was in those places of institutions, I still maintained my creative center as a performer and as an artist. And I always like to say that my art kind of is my through line to getting through those experiences. It's my through line to channeling through those really difficult moments. And we all have difficult moments in our life without being on a spectrum of mental health without being institutionalized or having a diagnosis or taking medications. We all have 
hard times in our life. And at this point, you know that you can journal, you know, you can journal, you can talk into a recorder, you know, Woody Allen has this bit where he doesn't have a therapist, he just has a recorder that he talks into that says, I know, I know, and it says, I know, back to him, you know, you have that. You can have a variety of different things. For me, when I get stuck, I practice the three M's, movement, you know, shake, movement, music, and meditation. And uh, my mom thinks that's like the most glorious piece of information ever. She always texts me, I'm using the three M's today. Yes, I am, still using the three M's. But I learned that um, uh, later, later in my career when I needed uh, like more of a media job. And um, I uh, was doing groups, um, groups in mental health that incorporated arts uh, over in Oakland. And uh, it, was a, it was a place where people could come together, talk through their experience, and then do something either artistic or do something that could help what they were, what they were going through. And it was people, all, all sorts of fringe of, of society, people on all sorts of different programs and different ways to be, to be seen. And we bring them in, and we do a little group with them, and we bring them together. And as someone who did groups all through his teens and 20s, I realized just, just putting people in the room can sometimes make you feel better. You know, Just being around other people when you feel isolated can sometimes make you feel better. You all are here at work. You're here at a real place. Some people still work from home. They're still not coming in. And, you know, you know there, there's, there's moments of isolation. There's moments of, like, who is in my life where you, where you come in and you, and you realize people are there. I had a hard moment a couple months ago where I got invited to kind of a salon, you know, like a music salon. I didn't want to go. And then I, I was stuck and all in my head. And I just didn't know if I wanted to be there. And just stepping into the door with other people that are going to, chat with you and eat pizza with you and listen to your stories is a part of coming together and realizing that it's okay, you know. But sometimes you don't have that. You don't have people around you. You have your own breath, you know, realizing that you have this breath. And we all know that when we get anxious, we get tight. We sh our, our breath is short. And just remembering to breathe is sometimes the most basic way to relax. Just saying breathing to you. I can see some of you adjust and be like, oh yeah, I am breathing. I'm, I'm still breathing. Yes, I'm, I haven't forgot to, to breathe. <laughs> so, you know, you're breathing and you're remembering these things. And one of the most basic things um, when I had trouble breathing and trouble uh, going to sleep as a 20-year-old insomniac that had racing thoughts and all sorts of things that prevented me from going to sleep is this Andrew Weil breathing technique. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a four, seven, eight, where you breathe in for four, you know, breathe in, you count for four, you hold for seven, hold for seven, and then you breathe out for eight. And just doing that, you can hear my voice get kind of lower, and some of the, you know, performance anxiety of being in front of you has calmed down, and we're not going to go to sleep and fall face down in our pizza plates, but we're going to bring the energy back up. You know? So um, a few other things I do in my day, just bringing you through the, uh, the wellness terms of like before performance, I'm feeling tightness in my legs as well as the breath. I do some basic qigongs where I'm, I'm treating myself, you know, I'm treating myself with my own energy. I'm putting my hand and my force, you know, over my body, treating myself with my own, uh, my own energy. Because you, you may not know, but your 
energy is coming out of you at all times, but it's also coming out of your hands. You're projecting your own energy to the world with your hands. And you are projecting out with your right hand and you're going in with your left hand. So another, another thing when you get tight and you're, and you're breathing and you need a breath work is putting your left hand, you can try this if you want, but you know, no worries. You can put your left hand on your stomach and your right hand on your heart to kind of rebalance, you know? And then, you know, deeply breathe in those calm moments because you are recentering those different chakras that may be out of balance, you know? And you're treating yourself. You're treating yourself with your own energy. Now, part of these, um, part of these wellness tools, um, part of the discovering and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the education of learning how to treat myself uh, was also defining myself and as someone who's been through all these diagnostic labels. I didn't want to just label myself as someone with a diagnosis, but I also want to incorporate the creativity. So I reached to a, a quote from uh, you know, a San Francisco beat poet, keeping it local, uh, Jack Kerouac, a famous quote that you might already know. You might be able to sing along with it, but it is, uh, it is a quote uh, that um, kind of defines the name that I give myself and the name of my group and company. The only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles, exploding like spiders across the stars. Jack Kerouac, On the Road, 1957. And yeah, that quote uh, affected me. I, I, like, I like being called a mad one. I like that, it, that I'm not all these diagnostic labels. I'm someone with an artist temperament going through these things. And then I can call myself my own thing, you know, my own thing. And so I, I started to write it down. I, I started to write down MAD, and what does it stand for, you know? MAD, uh, um, music, art, dance, you know, uh, all the creative spectrums. Uh, um, maybe your creative spectrums aren't paying you, so it's make assets daily, you know, <laughs> okay? Um, so you need to get a real job. You need to be a creative person, and you need to also get a job. So this is part of the dichotomy of being an artist in a capitalistic society, or Maybe it's uh, inspiring people, you know, move aspirations deliberately, you know, or, you know, maybe there's other ones, maybe there's other ones, maybe there's other ones. Can you, can you, any, anyone has one, anyone has one that, that you want to shout out, a little, a little impromptu, a little impromptu? We'll come back, we'll come back to it. Think of it, think of it. If you get one, if you get one, just give me the one. Because, the, you know, you got to have the one with it too, you know, mad one, mad one. And... Part of madness is being separated from the group. It's being told you're different and you're an outcast and you are not allowed to be here. You are too crazy to exist. You need to be put away. You're not safe. But the one part is the, it's all the oneness. You know? hmm. 
know, that it's the one thing, that you can be one whole human being and have these experiences. And I like that, mad one. It's six letters. You know, maybe there's like a, there's like some sort of uh, ge geometry going on in here that was a, with, it, with its own sacred shape and that it has to do with, uh, with existing as someone with mental health experience, you know. And after I did Moments, I went on to other media companies that um, they wanted me to do a little bit of everything. I'm sure you have that guy here. He does a little bit of photography. He does the website a little bit. He does the social media. He does some of the promotions. You know, we all have those skills and those needs as someone in the media to do our own thing and get it out there, get the word out there. Um, but um, I started to use those, those moments that I created and really go to what I wanted to talk about the most, which is mental health. And um, I first wanted to talk to people about, you know, how they get by, you know, how they get through these things that they deal with. And the first time I created my own little show, um, I interviewed people and it was just three questions. It was just, what's your name and what's um, something you struggle with in mental health and what's a wellness tool you use to get over that struggle? Super simple, super simple. I'd interview people for 20, 30 minutes and I would get it down in concise 90 seconds and I called it the mental health minute. And people liked it, people liked it. They liked hearing a, a teaching about something that someone gets through. You know, I had a guy and he says, um, I have a scattered brain is what he called it. I have scattered brain. I just I think I, I, my thoughts are all over the place. And I was like, well, what do you do? And he says, I take long walks, I take long walks for like, you know, miles and miles at a time. And I can, I can process those thoughts. I can kind of go through those things that I'm going through. Know, uh, for, for other people it was different you know uh, people named their diagnosis they said I have PTSD I was in the military and I use prayer I use prayer to come back and meditate and you know come back and you know do something where I'm sitting and I'm, I'm focused on, on one intentionality for other people it was you know things that were near and dear to me I had a guy who said I hear voices I'm a voice hearer I'm a message receiver is how he said it I hear things and what helps me is to have my music with me. And I hear things that are real, you know? And that one really struck with me. That was, that was uh, Steve, a guy that I, I actually work with. And I was like, wow, okay. So if you're gonna hear things that are outside of you and you're gonna think they're real, putting actual music in your earbuds, you're gonna actually calm down and you're gonna control what you're listening to and you're gonna block out the other messages. And as someone who's heard voices himself, uh, you know, it uh, can be quite entertaining, you know. There can be some good material in there. You know, maybe your voice uh, becomes uh, the disguised by one of your family members, you know. For me, it's not directly my mom or my dad. It's, you know, the voice becomes a, a little bit like Uncle Jack, you know. 
Uncle Jack comes in there. He's like, okay, well, here I am again. I mean, did you do your cleaning? Uh, your place doesn't really look that clean. It's not really presentable. You know, it's like you hear this voice that's not you. It's someone you recognize or it's a voice that's familiar. And I used to do a piece in my spoken word kind of uh, uh, um, catalog that was that I am the voice. I am the voice coming to you now. And you are hearing voices. You are all hearing voices. This is a voice inside your head. It's me. It's me talking to you. I'm the voice. I'm the voice inside your head. And uh, it's a pretty good job. It's like being at KQED. You know, you know, you're, you're just on the radio. You say, hey, turn left. Yeah, you want to turn left here. That's me. That's, that's my voice. You don't need GPS. You know, it's me. Or, uh, or maybe you're looking at the pizza options. You're like, do I want to do that much cheese? I don't know. Do I want pepperoni again? Yes, I want pepperoni. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's me. That's, that's, that's the voice. Um, but uh, it brings up a lot of other questions about people who hear other types of voices that are not, um, not beneficial to their well-being, the well-being of others, voices to hurt themselves or hurt others, violent voices. And there is a scary side to mental health that kind of bleeds into criminality and bleeds into, you know, not just, you know, being in a mental institution, but uh, being in jail, you know, and there isn't that much difference from someone that is having an experience where they're out of their body and they can't be controlled and they need to go to a mental hospital where they're protected from the law and it's not on their criminal record and they end up going to jail instead and some of the differences is where they are who makes that call to 911 what they look like and a lot of other things that come into the perspective but as someone who's experienced quite a few mental hospitals eventually I did go to jail and I realized the difference that you know being in a hospital was a privilege even though I didn't like it even though I was controlled and I couldn't leave for a number of weeks it still wasn't jail and you know there's some things in all the hospitals that I've experienced I'm a connoisseur of hospitals you know <laughs> I'll write my own Yelp review of different points of interest, you know, I'm the critiquer, I'm reviewing your, you know, hospital, you know, and as someone who travels for performance, there were times when I was on the road and I was touring, doing things like this, speaking, and I had to go to the hospital in another part of the country, how does that work, I, I'm not from there, like, you just go in, I went to a hospital in Pennsylvania, and that was a horrible experience. You know, they didn't let us go outside. You know, it was just the TV blaring. It was, it was a lot of inside time. But then I was out of the country. I, I was in Montreal. I went to a hospital that speak, spoke half uh, French and half English, and they did let us go outside, and they also had a guitar, and they also had a piano, and there were some artistic programs in there. And I'll say this, I've been out of the continent on the hospital. I was in France and that hospital was a lot different because they didn't have any programs and all the nurses wore white like it was Miss Ratchet time and you know and people looked at you in a certain way and you could feel the judgment of the hospital staff on you and they didn't have any programs but the food was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> as someone who's experienced this uh, around the world you know um, 
in my, my pitch or my show or my uh, you know, interview or my you know, series or whatever it is that I'm pitching next, yeah, it would be this experience in different parts of the country because I've never experienced in parts of Asia, Africa, or South America where you, there, is no, there is no mental hospital. They just put you in jail. They don't save you from your own record. They don't save you from your own thing. They just put you in there. And so, yeah, you, you know, what are the, what are the ways it can, it, you can go about it? And some of my favorite uh, institutions were right here in the Bay Area, where uh, you know we have a very forward thinking of how we treat people and how we can do things. But um, in Santa Clara, for example, we just didn't have TV. We had YouTube and email. We could pick our own playlists. We could choose the songs we wanted. This is revolutionary. Um, in Oakland, uh, I had a little uh, ukulele that I brought in. I didn't bring it in today, but I had a little ukulele that I brought in, and they had me as the music guy, and I would uh, be outside playing music in the sunshine. It was, it was glorious. My, be my best three-point game of my entire life happened there, you know? <laughs> um, but one of my favorite uh, places that I went was right here in San Francisco at St. Francis Hospital, and it was because the programs were so good, the programs for, to keep us contained, the art therapy where we could take collages and make a collage ourselves. You know, we did psych ward karaoke where we all got to pretend we were somebody else and do our karaoke. You know, we had uh, we had uh, uh, you know religious groups that came in and helped us on certain days, and there was a lot of programming throughout the day to keep us occupied and keep us around people. And when I got out of those places, especially St. Francis, right up here. Um, I realized, yeah, I want to do groups that help people get through that experience, whether that's in a hospital, whether that's in a, 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 media, a media, media legacy company, or whether that's in you know, boardrooms or whatever it is. I want to contain you know, those things for, uh, that, that are helping people get through their, their trauma, get through what they're going through. And um, founding Mad One, um, from the Jack Kerouac quote, is a part of that. Um, I call it Mad One Media. It's my own creation of a little bit of everything that uh, has to do with uh, stories and you know, poetry and music and the recording of those things and documenting your progress, your ups and downs and your valleys and your peaks and how to best use your own story and, and, and realizing that you choose who you tell your story to. You realize and you, you, you choose who gets to hear your story and that you are the creator and director of your own story. <coughs> now, your story isn't always a beneficial thing. It can be incriminating. You know, you, you can you can you can you can tell the story to the wrong person, and you know that can that can put you away. Or your story can be inspirational, and you can go through these peaks and valleys in your life, and you can get through those things, and you can become something that you want to become. Now, currently, Mad One Mad One Media is uh, stationed at Intersection for the Arts. Um, it's uh, on Market Street, and. Uh, I, I go in there and I have a little office that I can work from. And 
I, uh, I can have people that I connect with artistically and help them grow their artistic talents, help them grow their and develop what they want to do. And um, I also uh, realized that gathering and bringing people together is a, is, a, is a huge part of my journey from moments to doing my own performances to bringing people together. And in my climb and in my journey of learning things and uh, you know, uh, being someone who is speaking his story, I've had to take several breaks you know, when you, when you go into an institution or when you have those breaks, it takes years to get back, you know? And it's not just getting back to a place to live and some sort of steady employment. It's like, there's, there's been years of my life where I was way too awkward to do this. You know, I was way too frozen and, you know, in my own self to do this. And there's been a lot of moments where I was too animated to do this, <laughs> where it was a little more uncensored to do this, you know, where I would have been like a little bit too much. So finding that right balance, whether that's medication or meditation or other types of Asians, any, any types of Asians, no. um, wh whatever that is for you, um, is a huge part of becoming who you are as a creative. I believe that we all have this little kid inside of us that wants to just finger paint and put dance parties on and doesn't care about any other thing but just performing and being an artist and they get their paintbrush out and their dance shoes out and they just, they want to be creative, you know. And we're all artists inside but we all do something different for a way to get paid. And yeah, as, as, as an artist, as someone on the artistic temper, temperament and, 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 and thing, uh, you know, the artistic fluctuation, the spectrum of being an artist, um, I have things I do for myself. One of them is I take a, a, a break from technology every week. I take a little unplug day, a little Shabbat Shalom on Saturday. I take a, you know, disconnect from, 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 uh, from technology. I don't engage with any communication or screens as my whole communication and work is, 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 is based on screen, as we all are there. Um, another thing, I, I, I immerse myself in nature whenever possible. I live up in the Oakland Hills and I'm close to nature. I can hike in nature, I can be in trees and be around nature. Um, another thing I do is if I'm gonna be alone and I'm gonna work from home, I make sure I call someone. You know, I make sure I hear like a friendly voice on the phone. And these are all part of the wellness tool belt. You know, we all have our wellness tool belt. I left my yellow Superman belt at home today, but uh, you know, I do have one of those from one of the more manic times uh, <laughs> when uh, my costumes and clothing were coming together and combined for uh, you know combined uh, you know characterization of whatever I was embodying. And um, yeah, I I, uh, I think. We can all get to what our what our tool belt is, what 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 we what we use in our tool belt. Um, I'd like to hear maybe if you had a mental health tool belt, something that that helps you. Um, you can just shout them out. You don't have to. You don't have to. Um, you know, raise your hand or something. But I'm, I'm giving you that I that I unplug, that I'm in nature, that I listen to music. Journal. What are some things? What are some things for you? What are some things for you that? Petting my cat. 
petting your cat, animals, yeah. right? Yeah. A fuzzy thing that's really fun to, you know, you know, exactly, petting your cat, a, a real live thing, a real live creature, you know, that, that is affectionate to you, exactly. Have no cats of my own, but I have friends with cats, you know. So I go over and, you know. Exercise. Exercise, yeah, M moving, yeah, yeah, getting a good sweat on, you know, going to the gym, you know, you know. Walking the dog. Walking the dog, oh. yeah, yeah, petting the cat and walking the dog, you know. That's a big part of the question when you meet someone, are you petting the cat or are you walking the dog? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a big question, you know, it's like, it's early on in meeting someone, you gotta know. What else, what else, uh, what else? Draw, yeah, yeah. Do you do you uh, do you uh, doodle. doodle? You doodle. Do you ever do things? Uh, are you doing things that you can see, or is it your? Is it like you're you're in your own? In my own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doodles, doodles. Yeah. Therapy. Very loud. Therapy. What would you, what would you say? Play music very loud. Play music very loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Therapy. I read poetry out loud. You read poetry out loud? Yeah, just for myself. Just for yourself. Yeah, there, there, um, there's a, there's a, there's a group that I, um, I'm doing an intersection called Other People's Poetry, and OPP, Other People's Poetry, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's it's more or less a workshop, but intersection has a piano over there, and so I invited people to come and read their poems, and uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I will. Let's see. I think I will maybe read a poem. Let's see. Let's see. Have this poem here. Yeah. I started with poetry as well, and I read poetry as well. Um, a lot of my artistic, artistic uh, time was poetry, but. Um, one of the things I like about poetry is there's really no rules to it. It's, it's your open forum to express and get some poetry out there. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think I will, I think I will read a poem. Uh, something about being, something about being downtown uh, again. That's from here. Has a lot of history here. Um, I find that I'm in a memory cake, layer cake of my own existence, being a place that I've never left. And I've wanted to leave, but I've never been able to leave. So it's a glorious place, the Bay Area, and the, every place has layers of memory for me. So do a poem for you. That you inspired me back there. You inspired me to read, read a poem. My own poem downtown. I'm back here again, this time more stable, remembering coming down here when I was looking for all the wrong reasons, all my theft and treachery. I was a drinking, smoking street kid with an oversized backpack and nowhere to go. Now my backpack is tastefully small. <laughs> I don't have to use the public computer at the wellness center. I bring my own laptop. I don't ride BART for free. I drive a car that I own and pay for parking. It's been six years since I used to come here, but I've changed. I shave now and get a haircut. 
I'm medicated and under control, less wild, formulating a career plan. The wellness center I used to go to is on 9th. Now I'm a resident artist on 11th. On my first day back, I ran into a guy that used to run the wellness center. He recognized me. He said, you're looking good. It struck me how I used to present. Flipped up cap and wild eyes, sleeping on bus stops and people's garages. I sleep on a luxury mattress now in my own place. I don't have to struggle like six years ago. My life is calm and full of meaningful friendships. I'm so much more balanced than I used to be. I was a recluse. I can tell you some of the stories of how I used to be, but now I'm on the come up, recalibrating how many years I have left, taking my time and playing the long game instead of burnout. So, little something, little snaps. Um, I'm gonna say that uh, a lot of you have that experience where you're in a place here and you remember things that happened there. Um, a project I'm working on with um, someone that does videography is uh, take them to those corners that I used to be at and tell them the story of what I experienced there in the place that it happened. Just me and a camera, you know, Bourdain meets Michael Caine, just me doing my thing and telling that story. And uh, I'd like to do more of it. I'd like to tell my stories and come back to those places that matter. Because this is a special place. It's a space, it's a space of creativity. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place that it welcomes people, whoever they are from all over the world. It's very inclusive. And to be in a place to grow up here and you know, realize that not every place is like this and not every place is as welcoming and not every place is as open to creativity and trying different things out as this place, the Bay. Um, it's not always a place to get paid as a performer, but it's a great place to develop your skills. It's a great place to uncover what you're really about, and it's a great place to discover what you want to do. And um, I've discovered myself in new ways this year, and discovering my overarching journey and all the things I've been through and realizing what my offering is, my ask is, and I'm presenting some stuff at Intersection uh, next month, the month after, stuff like this where it's me and another artist that I'm interviewing a person that creates a life in the arts and their strategy for creating this life and doing it, and whether that's creating their business, their own business around the arts, how they do that, and so I'm putting that out there, I'm putting that out there that I'm doing that and that I'm sharing these stories, other people's stories, presenting, curating. And I'd like you to be involved, I'd like you to be involved. I don't know exactly what you, everyone does here, but I'd like you to be involved. You can come and you know, share your own vision, you can explore someone else's vision. Um, or maybe this is just a collaboration where You've, you've bared witness to what I've been through in some of my journey. And you bear witness to that. You can go through all these things 
be a mad one, start your mad one media collective, and really take it to wherever you need to go and wherever you want to go with it. And I invite you to look at your own history, look at your own gifts, and look at your own journey. As you all here are now fully employed at you know the big station of, of the Bay, you, you're doing something right. You know, pat yourself on the back. You know, good job. Um, and so, uh, yeah, um, if I could pitch anything more, I would pitch that uh, you also um, are invited to be a collaborator in this creative process. To be honest, I'm still figuring all that out in the early stages of that, but I am uh, coming back to doing that and doing this for you now, sharing this, sharing this moment with you, sharing this moment. So, bad one. Music, art, dance. But sometimes it's make assets daily. And move aspirations deliberately. But for me, it's make a difference. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Joshua. It's, uh, thank you for coming. It's really important to like, we just want to normalize conversations about mental health and